How's it going, guys? Welcome to the Serious Angler Podcast. For those that are new to the show, the Serious Angler Podcast is created to highlight the many passionate and dedicated anglers that we have in our fishing community, providing them a platform to share their story with the world. If you guys aren't already, please go down and subscribe to this YouTube channel. And if you don't want to listen to the podcast through YouTube, you can find Serious Angler on the Anchor app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Check us out. Thank you guys for watching. So in today's podcast, we have on Brandon Miller from California. We get him on here to talk about what it's like fishing in California, but also what it's like to fish out of a boat and out of a kayak, where he does both. So it's kind of cool to get a different perspective uh, on each of them. So I'm pretty excited to get him on here to talk to him about that. Hope you guys are excited as well. Enjoy. Is it, is it done updating now? Yeah, it should be good to go now. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah, I can I can edit through this. It's, you know, it's no biggie. Um, yeah, if you just want to, um, like I had mentioned earlier, uh, we had a little bit of te- technical difficulty, but if you just want to tell everybody listening you know, a little bit about yourself, uh, maybe what you do, and then um, kind of how you got into fishing and who's like kind of the person that helped you get into it. All right, for sure. Yeah, so uh, my name's Brandon, a.k.a. Bam Miller. Um, I've been fishing for as long as I can remember. Uh, grew up fly fishing in the Sierra Nevadas with my dad. So my dad's the one that got me into fishing. We used to go camping as a family and uh, pretty much fish for trout with a fly rod until I was 15 or 16 before I really ever picked up conventional gear. And uh, a friend of mine in high school, we fished tournaments with his dad and kind of took me to a pond bass fishing and got my driver's license and a kayak and never really looked back. Just started really getting into bass fishing. So. So you, yeah, you started in a kayak then? Yeah, so I started bass fishing in a kayak. So I've been kayak fishing since 2010, 2010, 2011, something like that. Okay. So then when did, uh, when did the boat start to play a, a factor for you? So, yeah, so the boat, I was working at Headwaters Kayak Shop out here in, in the town I live in, Lodi, California. And uh, and a friend of mine is like through family friends. This guy who's from Oklahoma was dating one of my family friends. He ended up marrying her for, for a bit. And uh, he was a big-time tournament fisherman, you know, with his dad growing up. And he was like, man, you know, you got to get a boat. I took him out in the kayak, and he didn't really like it. And he's like, you need to get a boat. You need to get a boat. It kind of got my ear about it. I was like, all right. So I got this, like, 16-foot boat with, like, a 30-horsepower motor, you know, just to kind of test it out and then just kind of slowly upgraded to what I have now and uh, kind of, like, kind of dipped out of the kayak scene for a little bit. And, you know, once I got the boat, but kind of found my way back into it. So now I kind of do both. I was going to say, it seems like your page is kind of almost like a happy mix of, of both. Um, cause, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, that's how I had first known about you um, was through watching Greg's channel and watching you fish and different things like that. Um, so I guess, you know, if you could put a ratio on it now of time spent in a boat and time spent in a kayak on the water, what, what, would, what would you put that at? Um, it's probably like straight 50-50 right down the oh. middle. Because uh, I, I kind of... I fish like one to two kayak tournaments a month and I fish like one to two boat tournaments a month. And so like the the time that's not spent fishing tournaments, I'm practicing for, you know, for either one. So it's pretty much 50-50. And then I, I really make it a point not to practice for kayak tournaments out of my boat. So if I have a kayak tournament coming up, I'm doing it out of the kayak. I don't want to practice out of the boat. I think that's a pretty weak move. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's that's honorable on your part. Um, I know you'll prob- you'd probably get a lot of flack from – 
guys in the kayak scene, if you were practicing out of the boat the day before, you know, practice ends kind of thing. Yeah, uh, I kind of used to say the same things. There's some guys that like to do that, you know, and I would always kind of talk crap on it before I had a boat. So I was like, like there's no way I can go back on that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you could, it, it makes sense, I guess, like efficient wise, like you can cover more water, that kind of thing. You can run more spots. But I guess at the end of the day, like it is a kayak tournament, you might as well practice out of it, you know? Right. Well, I don't know. You know, it's like, and like, I've, like, I've kind of not had arguments, but discussions about that, you know, and like, if you practice out of your boat, it's not like you can really practice any further out of the reach of what your, you know, True. you know, your overall reach of the kayak would be, or that would be kind of pointless. But, you know, I could spend one day practicing out of the boat and cover all these different areas, whereas like it would take me two or three days in the kayak to do that, you know, so it's very true. Yeah. Everybody only has so much disposable time, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then people are going to make the argument, you know, not everybody has boats. It's not fair kind of thing. Right. That's, that's probably where the, the main argument kind of comes from. But um, you kind of live best of both worlds, dude. And you can pretty much be like, today's a little bit too windy to fish from a kayak, but it's pr- like just fine for a boat. I'll take the boat out today, that kind of deal. But mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to tournaments, I guess, when did you kind of start? When did you start fishing tournaments? So, yeah, so I started fishing tournaments out of the kayak. Um, we had a, a series, it was called the Delta Kayak Bass Series. It was, like, really, like, the first kayak tournaments that we had out here. There were, like, multi-species tournaments that were held through a group called the NorCal Kayak Anglers. Okay. Uh, and those were kind of weird, you know, because, like, you got, like, more points for catching, like, bluegill or trout than you did, you know, bass. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were, they were kind of odd. I did a few of those, but then when that Delta Kayak Bass Series thing came out, um, I like dove head first into that and that that basically like kind of changed hands a few times and morphed into Yakabass. And then once Yakabass was fully formed, um, that's like when I kind of came back from the boat only world and started doing both again. Mm. Uh, but yeah, with the boat, I've done like local clubs and kind of like regional like pro-ams and stuff and kind of had mixed success i guess it's 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 weird because like the kayak tournaments and the boat tournaments are so different you know like you're doing the same thing but there's just such a different vibe and and i get like a much bigger adrenaline rush out of doing the kayak tournaments as opposed to the the boat thing and is that because of like a community environment type of deal is that why i think it's just because it's way harder to do good in a kayak tournament than it is to to do in a boat tournament you know it's like part of it is like in these boat tournaments you're typically with a partner it's usually team stuff you know mm-hmm. so you can kind of piggyback off the other guy for ideas and like sometimes you're just not catching fish but the other guy is so you're like thank god he's on the boat with me you know yeah. but uh in the kayak it's like 110 percent up to you and like you really got to manage your time you know and like when you're blasting off, you're racing people, you know, at three and a half miles an hour. But, you know, it's like, it's your power, you know, and it's like, yeah. man, if this guy beats me, I'm going to look like a chump, you know. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's a lot. It's just all up to you, you know. It's, it's a lot more riding on you. Yeah, no. And I guess in a sense, too, is like on a kayak, you can have a plan A, plan B. Um, but really, when you set out on a kayak, you're you're running your plan A confident that, what you're going to your run for plan A is going to pan out. But if you're in a boat and you know, plan A doesn't pan out, you got B, C, D, and E that you can run feasibly, uh, you know, with that big of a motor and you can run, you know, multiple spots like we talked about, you know, miles away where a kayak, I mean, if you want to go to a spot that's 10 miles away, it's going to take you a long time to get there. You're better off packing up, driving down and launching somewhere near that where it's like a boat. 
it's way, I guess, you know, travel-wise, it's much more efficient where, you know, if your plan A for kayak doesn't pan out, I mean, you better hope plan B is nearby. I mean, that kind of deal. So exactly. That's, yeah, it makes it tougher. Your too. time, like your time, runs out so much quicker in the kayak than it does in the boat. You know, and yeah. then like, and then like conditions, like you kind of touched on earlier, like, like if I'm going to my plan A spot in the boat, but it's like way windier than it was in practice or something, it's not as big of a deal. Like it's still, you know, but like if you're in a windblown area in the kayak, it's like, uh oh, I better figure something out quick. I hope there's something nearby that can get me out of the wind. You know. Yeah. So you exactly. just you can't fish efficiently. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and some spots are really good when they are windy, and so it's harder to fish with a kayak. Like we all know, like moving baits, put you know, are work better in windy situations. You know, when they push up bait and, and all that different scenarios. Um, so, but in a kayak, you know, depending on that wind, what makes it more efficient? It's tough, you know, to to not only be in the area but be able to fish it efficiently. Like. Where as a boat, it's a completely different scenario. Where in a boat, you feel comfortable sitting in 10, 15, you know, fishing a certain area. Right. right. Especially trolling motors. Like, you know, you have an old track, so you hit spot lock. It doesn't matter yep. how hard it's blowing. Like, you know, it's like. You don't have to worry about it. You know? It's crazy. Yep, just put it on and hope she doesn't die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hope you remember yeah. to the night before, which I'm terrible at. <laughs> <laughs> See, with a kayak, you don't need to. You just got to remember putting your pedals in the truck and hope that's it. You know, pedal or paddle, what have you. Yeah. But, uh, and also, too, it's like guys will be, you know, 30 minutes away from a, the end of a tournament in a boat. And they'll be a mile or two uh, down from, you know, the launch or the ramp or whatever, wherever you're you kind know, of meeting at. And you'll be like, oh, it's okay. We're only a mile or two away. But if you're in a kayak, it's like we're a mile or two away. You know, you, that takes 45 minutes you know, roughly to, to get back. You got to plan that. You got to schedule your day out more in a kayak. You got to be, be more prepared, I guess, be more in tune with your watch or your phone, knowing what time it is. When on a boat, you can get out of that trouble time-wise, but a kayak, you got to know if you're far away, you got to make it to a certain location at a certain deadline. It makes things a little bit difficult. You got to be a little bit more aware. Um, but it seems like you've had pretty good success looking at the, your back wall right now. It seems like you've had your fair share. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been pretty lucky, man. You know, I mean, like you're saying, like a lot of tournament fishing comes down to planning, you know, and then just being as, uh, as efficient as you possibly can. Like you don't have to be the best fisherman. You don't have to like have the craziest technique or anything. You just have to be as efficient as possible, you know, and then you have to have a good stroke of luck, you know, cause even if you are on the, on the bite, you have the pattern. You still have to have the right fish bite, and there's no fisherman in the world that can control that, you know. Oh yeah, well, I, I mentioned this I think two, three podcasts ago, um, where decision making is everything in fishing. You know, you could be, uh, you could have 30 years of experience on a guy, but you make the wrong decision, that guy's still going to beat you because he made the right decision. It's mm-hmm. it's entirely up to you know, even like you said, luck. Like it could be. You know, your cast is 10 degrees off of, you know, where there's a sitting, there's a seven pounder, but 10 degrees off, there's nothing. And that seven pounder is facing the wrong direction, where if you were 10 degrees over, you would have saw it, you had a better chance of getting a bite. But just, you know, it's all, I guess, intuition, instinct, definitely a stroke of luck involved in there, too, because we're not, we, we don't have, you know, you know, we don't have vision for seeing what's in the water everywhere. I mean, there's polarized shades, but, you know, when you're sitting on a spot that's got, you know, you're on 30, 40 foot. Sure, you can use your graph, but your graph doesn't tell you if, what fish are incoming. But right. yeah, <laughs> which ones are like that? Be, 
you know it's our sport is crazy man you know it's like a lot of it comes down to skill and preparation and practice and all that stuff just like any other sport but Mm -hmm. the difference between you know fishing and football is our ball has its own decision making skills and it's (laughs) and it's like you know our ball is the fish you know and like it it's its own little individual you know being so it it makes decisions on a daily basis whereas a ball is just an inanimate object you know so it's like yeah you know in those other sports it's just your preparation skills you know and practice but you got to have all that and that huge stroke of luck (laughs) that's like what it really comes down to yeah yeah it's like playing football with a ball that decides it doesn't want to be caught you know exactly (laughs) (laughs) it's uh it's it's cool because I kind of highlighted that a few times um, in a few episodes. We I would talk about, you know, you play in basketball. I guess you'd say, you know, you're you're competing against yourself mentally because it's such a mental sport, um, and you're competing you know with your teammates against players. Um, and I guess obviously that mental game. But when you're fishing, you're competing against yourself mentally. You're competing against the fish. You're competing against other competitors, and then you're competing against worst of all and biggest of all, Mother Nature. Right. Which is the one everyone has to fear. You know, you can't take her lightly. Um, like you mentioned today, blowing 30, 40 miles an hour, you don't want to mess with that. Uh, I thought about it. <laughs> but I was like, nope, nope, it's probably best for me just to stay inside. I'd regret it immediately, you know. At the end of the day, is like, do you want to have a tomorrow and do you want your boat in one piece, you know? <laughs> exactly, yeah, I know. And it's like you wait, you know, especially for, you know, most of us that work through the week. It's like, all right, I can finally fish on the weekend. And then we got this weather that comes in, and you got to be like, nope, never mind. You know, it's probably best move to stay home so I can do it next weekend. You know. Yeah, and then hope there's a, a pond nearby that you know you won't have to deal with the wind kind of casting and everything. But mm-hmm. it's it's tough. Mother Nature's like she's the biggest factor. You know, you you have to deal with, right. and she's one of the biggest influence influences in the other variable, which is the fish themselves. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the biggest factor in how they react, how they behave. And it's, you know, so much of our sport, like we kind of mentioned, is being prepared. But like you said, it all comes down to having that, I guess, that luck factor of knowing what fish are going to be in that area. You could be so prepared, but it just, you know, the fish decides they don't want to be in a certain area. You know, right. you, you pretty much try to prepare yourself to be most organized to be set up for when luck arrives, not to, you know be set up if you're set up and organized you have a plan that you're guaranteed to have fish you're just setting yourself up for when the opportunity happens that you do have luck i guess no yeah that's that's like that's it pretty much that's how i think about it you know and then like the longer you do it the more like the more you experience all these different you know variables and factors you you're you're more apt to put yourself in that position to get lucky you know so it's like for somebody that's like new, you know, and like we have a lot, and that's what's really cool about kayak fishing is we have guys that have been doing it for a long time, and then a bunch of newer guys, you know, and I see the newer guys getting super frustrated all the time, you know, and it's just like, how did you get on those fish, you know, blah, 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 talking to the guys that did well, you know, and it's just like, just been doing it long enough to where it's like, I remember that one time back in 94, you know, when the, yep. <laughs> we had a similar storm come through, and the water temps were the same, and this and that, you know, same time of year, and they were yeah. doing this. You know, and it's just, yeah. just takes time. It just takes time to kind of gather those things. Yeah, at the end of the day, you can only watch YouTube and look at Navionics and study map for so long. But the biggest thing is getting time on the water. And that that's all it is. You know, you can, exactly. You can listen to advice from people. You can, you know, read a map and think that there's fish in an area. But you don't know until you're actually there in that setting 
Uh, and that's mm-hmm. a good a good point you make too. Is you know people on the kayak that uh, even not even the kayak, even boat uh, scenes sometimes you see it too that people are new to fishing, but you know they get frustrated. And unfortunately, you see sometimes people quitting because they they're not as good into it. They don't want to work up to it. But it's just it's time, and that's all it is: getting experience, seeing different things when you're on the water. Because that when you see stuff, you might not think about it at that time, but when you see that similar thing happen later, it clicks in your brain. You're like, okay, I've seen this before. This is what I can use. This is what's going to happen. This is how they'll behave. Like different pattern things like that. Different variables that come into play which is pretty interesting to see how important the psychological aspect of the sport is. You know? Oh, yeah, big time. You can never get spun out. As soon as you get spun out and start getting frustrated, you just every, that, that efficiency is out the window, and then, then it's, you're relying purely on luck. And it's like you, oh, yeah. you have to try to minimize the luck factor as much as you possibly can. You know? and, that's, and that's something, too. It's like I see a bunch of guys that, that are new to it, and like they have a lot, you know. And this is an expensive sport, you know. So you have to have a lot invested, you know, to be prepared for all these situations. Yeah. And like when I come across people that are putting the time in and are like dedicated to figure things out, like I'm not withholding any information, you know. When guys are like really cool and I like them, you know, and I I like their attitude about the sport, like I and I see them frustrated, I try to I try to give them all the info that I experienced in that day. Because I don't want to see them go out of the sport because I know how rewarding it is, you know, when you when you push through that wall that you kind of hit inevitably. And no no matter how long you've been doing it, you're going to hit that wall occasionally. It just happens. Oh, my you God. Know. Yeah. Yeah. You see Kevin Van Dam, like people on his his level, like, uh, you know, Rick Clun, you know, people that are legends of the sport have terrible days. Mm-hmm. Like Kevin Van Dam, I don't think made a red crest on MLF last year. And that's like one of the first seasons of his professional career where he didn't qualify for a championship. I'm fairly positive that's what happened, so don't quote me. But um, <laughs> it's it's a great feeling, though, when there's somebody that's, I guess, relatively new into the sport, or maybe they're new to a certain species or a technique that don't have much faith in it or don't really know exactly you know what to do, but you kind of push them and kind of give them information, and you see their face light up when it all clicks and it yeah. happens, you know? That's probably the best feeling, and that's like that's kind of reassurance in itself of like what you're doing and about the sport and and different things like that. Like somebody getting someone on their first fish is probably one of the coolest feelings ever. Like, I right. love watching people catch catch fish almost as much as I like catch to catch fish. Just because you like know how awesome it is, you know. You're yeah. Like, know that feeling that you're having right now, and it's the best. <laughs> you know. Gosh, yeah. 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 There, there was one time, uh, my home lake. Uh, Canisius here in New York. Um, my buddy Nate Weislaw and I were out, and uh, we had been we every night pretty much after school and even into the summer every day that we weren't working. We were hitting this lake um, just because we knew you know there's giants in it, so we wanted to catch our PB. So we were going after these every day. We were putting in hours, and uh, there comes this old lady on like the cheap Walmart kayaks. We're grinding the whole day, having carling over three pounds. She throws like this this rattle trap with rusty hooks, throws into a grass mat. She's like, "Oh, I'm stuck," and she's like whipping her stick, like her her pole, whatever. And we're we're going over to her because we thought she was in trouble. Like she needed help, and we're like, "You okay? Like need help? Like getting that out or whatever?" And she realizes she has a fish on. It comes up. And it's like a six and a half pounder. We're sitting there like, "What?" <laughs> I guess we start flipping mats with you know three quarter ounce rattle traps. Now I guess that's the move. That's like. The best. Do now, 
<laughs> so you're sitting there like you're like damn like you're kind of like salty because you weren't the one catching it but then then you kind of realize like now they're not going to stop fishing like that's pretty awesome like now you know she's going to take that picture because she asked us like can you guys take my picture or whatever um took her picture with her phone and she's probably gonna go show her entire family that you know hopefully she has grandkids that fish or sons that fish and or daughters whoever and rub it in their face you know like i caught this like you know that kind of thing um so it's cool when you kind of put in perspective but there's a lot of people that get like kind of like that first feeling that i had was salty a lot of people just only feel salty about it you're like you know you you don't fish enough you don't deserve that kind of thing Right. It's, I mean, you know, it's mixed emotions. There's all, always yeah. a little bit of jealousy, you know. <laughs> Whenever I see somebody, oh, yeah. whether I'm fishing against them or not, like sometimes I can't get out. I'm busy, you know, and I see everybody's out fishing and tearing them up. I'm like, man, that's a bummer. That's like a, a blue-collar anglers, Adam Bombach and Wes Jones. They, they were out fishing yesterday, and Wes Jones caught like an eight-pounder, you know. <laughs> I was like, man, like I want to go catch an eight-pounder. <laughs> 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 Looks like fun. <laughs> yeah. But oh, stoked for them that they had that day either way, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, you like to see your buddies catch fish when they're not in the same tournament as you. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, even then, it's like it's like you go into every tournament hoping that you're going to win. And that's something like a D. Thomas used to always say. Like, you never you never enter a tournament that you can't win, you know, or you don't think no. that you can win, you know. So I go into every tournament thinking that I'm going to win this thing, you know. And then yep. usually about nine or ten o'clock, I'm like, man, I could be at home just chilling, watching the office <laughs> or something, you know. Like I'm out here instead, you know. But and you know, in that event, it's like, man, I hope so and so does good, you know. I hope so and so wins it, you know. And most of the time, and it's like, and that and that's the thing about the whole kayaking thing that I love is like, I, there's very few people that like I have like an issue with or you know, really nobody. So it's like, anytime anybody wins, it's like, right on, man. Like, good job. That's cool to see you crush it real quick, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a few tournaments where, uh, you know, I'll be at the same launch with my buddies and we're going out for tournament morning waiting for first cast. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, hey, good luck, man. Hope you do well, but not as good as me. Like, <laughs> yes. hopefully you still catch fish. It's not as big as I do. Like, I hope I catch one fish that's just a quarter inch longer than all yours. <laughs> yeah. You know? That kind that's, of thing, but that's kind of jet, jet. just like the smack talk that you get to have. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like the rivalries that you build up throughout the year, you know. Yeah. It's, there's guys I would never have met unless through fishing. I see them like once a month, but we're like best friends when we see each other. And it's like, man, you're going down today. You know, I hope you're ready yeah. for the SmackDown. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. And there's there's that also that tournament factor where you're like, uh, like talking about the mental game again, where you're out and you see somebody catch a big and like, or they're on a good pattern, they're catching them and you haven't caught stuff in a while and you're sitting there like, you know, is what I'm doing wrong? Is, should I be changing? And you're sitting there like, damn, like they're killing them. They're probably winning this thing. I'm losing this thing, and it messes with your head entirely. Like it's it's just crazy. Like you don't know should I stick to my pattern? Should I trust my gut? Should I switch? It's kind of interesting with that, but it's yeah. like so mental, so mental, and that's what I hate about it because I don't I don't react to those decisions the best sometimes. I don't know. You know, I hate it and I love it at the same time. It's like it's always good to have these types of conversations. To know, like, all right, I'm not the only one that deals with that. You know, it's like yeah, that's exactly. something everybody deals with with this crazy sport. So it's like, all right, that's I'm not I'm not the only one. Good. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm like in a sense, like it sounds weird, um, but I'm like glad that I'm not on like that elite level. Like, cause I'm sitting there like I love sharing my information of where I caught fish, how I caught fish. So like, and it's but it's bit me in the butt many times because I'll do it in tournaments. Like if my buddy know I know he's slacking like at a local tournament, a uh, local derby, and I know they're not catching fish. Like this past summer, uh, this guy named Gary, 
Um, everyone teases yeah. him in our trail. And uh, <laughs> everyone teases him in the trail. And, like, him and I act like nemesis. But, like, we'll fish each other all the time. Um, and uh, I knew he wasn't doing as well. And I, I was on the winning fish all day. And I knew it. And it was, like, an hour left. And I'm like, dude, just come up here. I'm on fish. Not thinking. Thinking I, like, fished through them. Like, hoping he'd get numbers. Dude beats me by three quarters of an inch after he comes <laughs> up to my spot. So I'm sitting there like, all right, whatever. You deserved it. That kind of thing. But it's like, yeah. I share so much information. Like, I feel like I would get in trouble if I was on the professional level. I would come out in a lie detector test. So I'd be like, I, don't, I told this guy what to do here. Told, like, mm-hmm. feel like, ah, just, I'm sure it happens. Like, I'm sure that a bunch of pros do it. But yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm the same way, man. I'm too, I'm, I'm too nice or something. I, you know, it's like, <laughs> that's the thing is I want to see everybody else having fun too. It's not, you know, it's not just about winning the tournament to me, you know? And like most of the time, just like that situation, I'm like, Oh, I got it. You know, but yeah. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you know, you're never the best one out there. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's always going to do it better than you. That's just how it is. That's life in general, you know? Yeah. I mean, cause the biggest thing I guess for a lot of people is, you know, learning is like while winning tournaments and stuff is fun and that's what we live for. Learning just kind of takes the cake, at least for me, and I'm sure a lot of people can attest to the same thing. Just learning and getting more experienced is pretty freaking cool. Like, that's what I like to see. I like to learn more about how they behave. And when I'm just interested in learning, and I ask, I've asked, I've, this has happened to me before, where there's a guy who is way better than fishing at, at me, like, than I am. And I ask, like, a simple question just to kind of better my knowledge. And how they beat around the bush because they don't want to tell you what they found. And it's never like a location. Like, I'll never ask, like, hey, can I get your waypoints? That kind of thing. Because right. that's like, you work for those. But more of, you know, when they, react, when they react this way or in this temperatures, you know, what kind of patterns do you go to? That kind of deal. It's kind of, it feels kind of crappy when you're on the other end and you, they beat around the bush and kind of treat you like that. So, right. like, when I'm the one being asked that, I feel guilty if I don't tell them exactly Right. You know, what the answer is I, I can't i can't lie you know right yeah and then just like leaving some stuff out is still kind of just doesn't feel right you know and like you know i've been on the receiving end of both types of information you know i've had guys and like i wouldn't know half of what i know without some really cool people that i've met through the sport that have helped me out along the way you know like obviously I, my time on the water has helped me apply a lot of these things that i've learned from several people through like fishing partners and just a few guys that i've fished against in tournaments like mainly guys like older guys that have been doing it since like the seventies, you know. Yep. It just got just like, invaluable information to give you, you know. And so like those guys were so cool to me and helping me out that it's like I feel like it'd be like the most selfish move ever for me just to hang on to that and not not share it with people when I have the opportunity to, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there there's sometimes where you kinda like have to take a step back, like when people try to feed you wrong information and kinda think like, Oh, that's so cool, then you kinda think like Wait, you know, you try to put the credibility to it. Like, I used to work no at a sense. field and stream. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. I used to work at a field and stream, and a guy came in and uh, he he told me, and it didn't, I didn't, it didn't click with me until that my second buddy and I were talking about it. And I was like, wait, this doesn't make sense. Where a guy's like, yeah, out on Lake Erie, we're in thirty foot, and I was catching them in beginning of March, you know, on a whopper plopper. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, March. Waters in low 40s, high 30s, whopper popper, middle of what? I'm yeah. sitting there like, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Nice try, mister. Yeah. <laughs> nice try. But it was funny because I told my one of my buddies, I told my second buddy afterwards, and I'm sitting there after I'm telling him, and he's like, he's looking at me weird, and I'm sitting there like, 
he just jipped me, didn't he? <laughs> like, <laughs> like crap. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like you got to take some of it with a grain of salt. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and like that's the thing is you can't you can't take what everybody has to say to heart. You know, you just got to be like, all right, well, I'll keep I'll keep an open mind with that. And like that's the thing is keeping an open mind with fishing. You know. Yeah. You know, if you think you got something figured out, you're wrong. You know, you might have an idea of what's going on, but you never have it fully figured out. And that's like, even just like when like fishing behind somebody on a bank. You know, it's like you should never be afraid to fish behind somebody. It's like they're not good enough to catch every single fish on that bank. You're not good enough to do that. You know, so it's like fish a bank twice, three, four, five, six times. You know, like fish behind people. You know, just keep that open mind. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, one thing I, I think I'm going to try to do more this year is, like, getting away from your confidence lures. Like, knowing in the back of your mind that they will work, that kind of thing. But, like, when you're fun fishing, um, it's like, this is from a David Dudley video that he put out a while ago. is taking a lure that you've never used or taking a, a random, uh, I guess, like, still you using an educated motive for it. But using something completely different than what you're used to in a situation that could make sense and seeing if it pans out that right. way, you know, if you know, your confidence pattern, color, whatever we bait have you, um, isn't working. You still have different things that you can kind of rely on that you have somewhat confidence in, you know, that it can work in a certain area, a certain situation, but kind of it's, it just expands your skill set. Like even just getting wacky with it. Like he told me, like he, he didn't tell me, he told me through the YouTube video. Uh, I shouldn't sound like I talked to David Dudley, but, um that have you seen like that those bright orange like uh i can't remember the um the actual term for it um it's like thalamin or something like that some crazy orange color that people throw in the spawn and apparently it's like the best spawn fishing lure you can use is like yeah i never thought that was weird but i throw these wacky colors out of out of just to experiment with them and sometimes you know i'll, I'll catch an eight pounder randomly and i don't know why that's mm-hmm. so it's, it's kind of interesting to like Try to get out of your shell and use something you're not comfortable with by any means. Right. That's something I might strive for this year. Especially for the average fisherman who only has so much time to go out and fish. It's like when you yeah. go out, you, you want to go and catch fish. But yep. on those fun days, that's your opportunity to learn. You know, And if you never try something new, it's like that learning curve is going to go up and up and then plateau. You know, yep. It's like and as soon as you plateau, that's when everybody's going to keep on passing you up. You know. Yep. Yeah, so you gotta keep trying to trying new things in order to learn. But like one thing for me this year that I know a lot of people do in California, I'm trying to throw swim baits this year. I've never done it. I've been too afraid to because we have a, we have northerns here, so I don't want to lose a very expensive lure. But I'm just gonna heck with heck with it. I want a few to give away. What's you know, I'll lose a free lure. It's fine. But so there's some cheaper ones, you know, like, like mag just, drafts is what I'm looking at. Yeah. Yeah, mag drafts, and then get in. You know, if you haven't thrown glide baits too much, glide baits are super cool, man. You know, they got their time and place for sure. And like, uh, uh, the, like Savage Gear, you know, they make Savage some waiver. Uh, yeah, like River to CS waiver is a good one, you know. But like the Savage Gear, uh, can't remember the name of their like regular glide, and then they have like a Shine glide. You know, like those are like the fifteen to like twenty five dollar range. You know, so a little affordable. Still gonna hurt a little bit when you lose them, but you know, but yeah. it's a little bit better than getting into it with like a depth two fifty or something like that. I was gonna say that like that or like a hinkle. Like I would, I would be 
in pain. I feel like somebody punched me in the gut or the face, you know, if I lost one of those things. Dude, and like, even I, just casting I'll, them off, too, it happens. Like, I watched my buddy one time cast, like, $200 worth of baits off in, like, 30 minutes. Just oh. snap gone, snap gone. And he spent, like, 10 minutes trying to get a HUD out of a package. The HUDs are really hard to get out of the packaging for some reason. you got to, like, cut them out. So he's sitting there trying to pull it out and, like, Finally gets it out of the packaging and he's just like out of breath from that. And he's like, oh man, you know, and ties it on. Snap first cast. <laughs> like, I, I was just laughing so hard. I was like, I'm sorry, dude, but that's some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen in my life. You know? It's like maybe it's time to just throw a jig. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I would be so, so depressed. <laughs> Devastated. Yeah. <laughs> that situation, that's when that's time for a break. That's for. Put the rods back and just watch your buddy fish. Yeah, <laughs> That's, yeah, yeah. Just take a little take a for a second. Yeah, call exactly. one. And just get reassured that you're doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah. So fishing in California, I'm kind of curious because I like that is when I think about it, I think of it as like a different planet to me. Um, obviously, I can live vicariously through the different YouTube channels guys have over there, but what time of year is best? Like. What, is, is there a different time of year to go out when you want bites, like numbers? Is, or is there is it kind of same when you want to go for size? Or is it relatively the same? Or is it different times of year? So from what, you know, because I haven't, I fished in uh, Oklahoma a little bit, um, visiting my buddy. And then other than that, I've fished in California, you know. So I don't, I can't really compare it too much to other parts of the country. But from like what I can gather through my research, you know, is that we have a much more diverse set of fisheries. So, like, we have really deep, like, clear water, like, rocky reservoirs. We've got, um, like, Clear Lake, which is, like, you know, like, the deepest part of it's, like, 40 feet. But most of it's, like, you know, 5 to 20 feet that you're fishing, you know, a huge lake. I mean, a lot of grass and stuff like that. we got the deltas, the tidal river system, a lot of grass. So it's all shallow, you know. <laughs> um, yep. Um, and then, you know, all of our reservoirs just set up differently. They're all on different river systems. So, like, you know, they have different water temps, uh, different um, aeration stuff, you know, different depths, different bait. You know, a lot of our lakes have shad. Some of them have no shad. Some of them have no bait fish at all, you know. So uh, there's there's somewhere, like, especially where I live. So, like, I'm in Lodi, which is, like, in, like halfway between, like, Stockton and uh, – uh, like set in like san francisco kind of okay. and so like from where i live within an hour and a half all times of the year there's somewhere that's popping where there's a good bite going on mm. so um like springtime on the delta excellent time like especially like here just in a few weeks like pre-spawn through you know so like late february through like late may early june excellent time to go out in the delta and catch a 10 pounder you know uh uh, Clear Lake, all times of the year, pretty much, you have the opportunity to catch an eight to ten pounder. You know, every trip out. Um, the like our rock, our reservoirs, our rocky reservoirs. I like fishing those in the winter time. You know, because we have a lot of them have all three species: largemouth spots and smallies. You know, and um, for some reason in the winter time, they like you know they're setting up and. 30 to 50 feet most of the time and they school up and super fun to drop on them with finesse stuff and football heads. You know, so I. I almost like fishing in the wintertime the best. You know, we all of our fisheries are super pressured. We have a lot of fishermen out here, you know. So 
wintertime, a lot of people kind of don't go out. And then so you have more of the lake to yourself. I like fishing slow anyways. I'm kind of lazy by nature. So if I can just throw a bait out and let it chill there, that's like, all right, sounds good to me, you know. Uh, <laughs> but there's, yeah, there's like certain bites I really like. So it's like wintertime's cool. That pre-spawn bite's super fun with the chatterbait. I love throwing a chatterbait. Um, mm-hmm. I love flipping a jig, you know, so kind of post-spawn in the summer. I like that a lot. But Berryessa, like Berryessa, you probably see Greg fishing there all the time, like, that's awesome in like April to May and then from like late September through like early November it's really awesome the fish get on these giant schools of shad and you got all three species hitting top water straight you know it's boiling across the surface you know and, yeah. and it's like just pick your poison what do you want to catch them on so yeah no, we're super spoiled out here dude California's rad you got to come out uh, it, it's on the bucket list like after watching you know Greg's channel you know like tactical bassin those guys different things it's it's like I, I need to come out and just experience it, you know, at least once, at least once, like take a week or two. Um, just because Clear Lake, obviously, because the, you know, the recognition it has. I've heard it's on the upswing. Uh, somebody was mentioned. I think it was Greg that actually mentioned it. Um, it's that, up, man. Yeah. And like, that's all the more reason to, to make the trip. It's it's tough to, you know, take that and take that out of the, out of the year. Um, right. You know, especially being a 22 year old just out of college starting a job it's not gonna happen for a long time but i feel it dude i'm, I'm 25 i just changed jobs you know so it's it's rough dude it's yeah. hard to, it's hard to get your life started especially when you're this well invested into this freaking stupid sport dude <laughs> you know it's so time. yeah yeah and we both live in the two most expensive states in the nation so it's tough mm-hmm. it's I don't know. I'll, I'll make it a point to make it out there at some point, but yeah, you got to do it at some point. I mean, it's, you know, it's definitely worth it. It's like, and again, it's like whenever you have time to do it, there's somewhere where you could go and have a great time fishing, you know? And like the Delta, you know, like I live like 15 minutes from a boat launch on the Delta. I'm pretty lucky with that, but like, it's so cool, man. Like depending on where you go, like the majority of it is like Florida strain, They're like Florida Northern mixes, you know, That's sweet. but like you go to like the, far like northwestern reaches and you're catching all northern fish and then if you go like like directly north like headed up towards sacramento it's like nothing but smallmouths with like a few spots but if you go to like the northeast part of it it's a lot of spots with some northerns and a few smallies mixed in so it's like you can like really fish for whatever you want to fish for you know of course the delta is known for the giant floridas that we have but like yeah know you have that opportunity you know to go out and catch and some of these guys going for small mouths they have like 100 fish days you know and it's just like you know that's nuts yeah spoiled. yeah Yeah, and there's there was i was talking about um i think it was was alex rudd we had had a short conversation how there's florida like there's a like a southern like they call it the florida strain and the northern strain for largemouth but i'm i'm fairly convinced and i love to do research on it on i think there's the same thing going on with smallmouth because your northern smallmouth look entirely different than smallmouth caught in california or the south right like a, a smallmouth out of pickwick looks entirely different than a smallmouth out of erie it's just it seems like the smallmouth down south are a lot longer but less fat than because you'll see You'll see a, a guy holding a, a long smallmouth doesn't look very fat, but it's five six pounds, and a guy holds one that's just a you know big fat football, and that thing's like six and a half. So it, it, I think it's something going on either, which is because of the cold months or something. But I, I, don't know, I feel convinced. Maybe. There's probably some different genetics in there too, you know. And then like you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but like most of the northern lakes 
aren't like on river systems for the most part, right? Whereas like down south, a lot of those are like dammed up river systems, you know? And like that's something like that we see here, like in the delta, the fish are long and mean, you know, and then on the lakes, the fish are usually kind of, you know, more stocky. Like a clear lake fish, like a 19 inch fish has the capacity to be like, you know, almost six pounds. But like on the delta, that's going to be a four pounder like all the time, you know? Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird how that works. They're working a little bit more, I guess. Yeah, they I guess. Mean because they're, they're moving around, I guess right. is what you're trying to say. Maybe that and like, you know, I'm sure like just uh, over time, you know, the genetics are just different, you know, they're, they're a little bit different yeah. fish to survive the different conditions. That's true. Okay. I guess I can kind of explain why fish in like St. Lawrence are a little bit different than you know, your landlocked fish from like Erie and, and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, granted, they have, you know, the Niagara and there's certain canals and streams, but um, yeah, it's, it's just, it looks like two different breeds to me. So I don't know. Kind of an interesting topic to maybe dwell into. Have some uh, small mouth professionals on here maybe later on to, talk, to dwell yeah. into that. Yeah. I would definitely need to be much more educated on that to try to actually speak on that. But you I don't know. And that's, yeah. and that's what's funny too is like uh, when I was visiting like Oklahoma, like like depending on where you're from in the country, it's just like, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. You know, it's like when I was visiting Oklahoma, I was like, man, I want to fish Table Rock and Eufaula, you know, and all these lakes around there and like Grand Lake, man, that'd be so cool. And all those guys are like, you're from California, you ever fish the Delta? You know, I'm like, you know, and it's like talking to you, it's like, man, I'd love to get on those giant smallmouth like that. You know, it's like out here, like a four pounder is pretty freaking big, you know, like I think our state record's like like eight pounds or like nine pounds, which is still, you know, it's a giant smallie, but typically if you catch a three and a half pounder, that's something to be real happy about, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I think the record from New York's like eight eleven. Something like that. I'm surprised it hasn't been broken. I'm it's sure they're out there, man. They gotta be swimming out there. Yeah. Especially with all the like twenty five, like twenty six pound bags that have been happening out of like all those tournaments up there recently, you know, it's like Dude, that's like that like, bag. Come on. There's uh there's multiple 30, 30 pound bags caught in the Finger Lakes up here in New York, all smallmouth. That's happens crazy. in Lake Erie, happens a lot on Lake Ontario. Uh, people don't fish Ontario for smallmouth as much as Erie, but there's some gold mines out there for smallmouth. Like you'll find a school of one, you'll catch one dink, and then you'll drop down, catch a five, and then you'll look on your graph, and then thirty more pop up out of nowhere, and you just fish that hole the rest of the day. Like it's just, they're all giants. That's cool. yeah. You do. You should come over with Greg sometime. He makes his New York swing every year. Yeah, I think he comes in like May or something like that. Yeah, he yeah. comes when it's good, and he takes all the fish and goes home. <laughs> I know that sucker. Uh, <laughs> I know I should, man. I should get with him on that. Like, probably, yeah, I'd like to do it this year, but realistically, I'd, I'd have to do that next year. But I want to travel a little bit more with my fishing though, because yeah. there is so much more to experience. You know, like we have a lot here, but. You know, there's so much more to, to see and do. Like, I was just watching – I don't watch, like, too much YouTube fish and stuff, but I was just watching uh, John B., and he did a, a float down the Devil's River in Texas. Yes. And that was, like, the sickest episode ever, you know, because that takes me back to, like, when I started kayak fishing. Like, I was still fly fishing out of my boat and doing river floats and stuff, you know. And it was, like, that was so cool to watch, you know. It's, like, dude, that's, like, the coolest scenery, like, way different fishing than, what, like, you're typically doing, you know, but you're still catching bass, which is, to me, the ultimate game fish, you know. So, it's, like, man, that's so cool. Yeah, so, and it was, you know, warm and sunny, and you're throwing swim baits all day, floating down the river. What more could you ask for? Like, Homeboy was so sunburned, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, the first thing I noticed in that video, I was, like, man, someone needs to get that dude some sunscreen ASAP. <laughs> yeah, invest in some, you know, sun repellent clothing. You know, they make those for a reason. 
Yeah, something. Long sleeve shirt would go a long way, man. <laughs> Sunscreen and a hat. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, that that's one thing. That's you know, for your for your river fishermen, your I guess really not your your white water fishermen. I'm not sure if they have rapids or anything. Um, but like for any kayaker, that's an attraction. You know, a bucketless attraction. Especially if you like to do those floats, you know, those multiple day. Somebody drops you off and picks you up a couple days later, that kind of thing. You're into camping. Like, that's perfect. It's, that's right. awesome. Yeah, that's like the guys that are in Tennessee, man. Like, they got all sorts of different rivers to be fishing. And mm-hmm. you know, I don't really know where they're at, but I always see pictures of it, like of the shoal bass and stuff, you know. And it's like, man, oh, yeah, looks, yeah. Oh, yeah. That looks really cool, you know. It's something different, you know. Yeah. Because it's, you know, I spent a lot of time fishing, like, the same stuff kind of over and over again. <laughs> I love it, and I'll never get sick of it. It would be nice to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, one question I kind of had for you um, before we head into our wrap-up segment um, is I noticed you had a YouTube channel linked in your Instagram. Is that your YouTube channel? Yeah, that's my pitiful attempt at a YouTube channel. So, like, I, I kind of, like, was like, all right, you know, because last year I had just, like, a really good stroke of luck and had some tournaments going my way and stuff and yep. kind of had some eyes looking at me, you know. I was like, all right, well, now's a good opportunity for me to try to put myself out there, but – that whole YouTube thing is a lot of work, man. And, like, I plan on, on doing it more this year. Um, and I have a, a kayak now that's mine, you know, so I'll be able to set it up a little bit better and yeah. I got the cameras and stuff. So I'm going to do a little bit more. But, yeah, that's that's me on there. And my, throw a GoPro on there, click record, you know, get a big enough SD card and battery with it and let it run all day. And mm-hmm. afterwards, just cut it up, start simple, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I've been talking with <clears throat> I've been talking with Greg about it, you know, and he's definitely the guy to give some good advice on that, you know. So <laughs> definitely all he uses is a GoPro. Yeah, yeah, he's just on the GoPro, and then the main thing, like you're saying, is just having like the battery set up for it and everything else, just so it runs, so you don't have to worry about it, you know. But yeah, this should be fun. Like the two videos, I think I only have two videos on there. You know, they both have ten pounders in them, so that's pretty cool, you know. Yeah. But like, yeah. You know, what are you going to do? You know, if you don't have videos, you're not going to really have too many subscribers or anything. But Exactly, yeah. But, I mean, 90 subs for two people or for two videos, that's pretty good. I'll take that, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. If, if I, <laughs> I definitely got to put some more effort into it. You know, I think I would see some results, you know. And, like, dude, like, you know, like I've seen some of the craziest stuff on the water, you know, like both fishing and non-fishing related, you know. So it's like. Yeah. If I were to record some of that stuff, it's like, I'd be just, it'd be mind blowing, you know, like Berryessa, I could have got some footage of, uh, like it was a school of shad that was like the size of like a Greyhound bus and it was like super clear water and you could see just like, you know, it's like it had to have been like 500,000 shad at least, you know, and they're all like four inches long and then underneath them was like probably a couple thousand bass in like the three to eight pound range just like all underneath them and then you could see them like start to corral they would kind of like kind of spiral underneath the bait and start to push them up you know in a circle and then get them up and they start feeding them like crazy so we would just sit there and watch them and wait for them to start to feed and then cast at them and then catch a few and then it would be over and you have to wait for them to do it again you know and it's like at the end of the day i had my gopro with me i never turned it on you know i was like why did i not record that that's like some national geographic level like crazy stuff happening and you know in the wild like it's like man I got to get on that. I hear you, dude. At some point, though, it's like you got to remember that you're out there to catch fish and experience, you know, that, you know, outdoors and you're doing it because you enjoy being out there. Right. Sometimes the camera gets in the way of that. You know? Right. Yeah. You're you so struggling so to get that shot. 
Yeah. Right. And that's something that I I think uh, like I've talked to Greg about it, and like especially I was he's got an episode coming up here I think on Tuesday um, out on the Delta. I went and met up with him like for the last couple hours that he was out there, and and uh, you know I was and it's kind of an area I like to go fishing, you know. So I was like, if you could try to maybe hide where you're at a little bit, you know, <laughs> and. Uh, He's like, all right, yeah, and, and he's like, that was a cool challenge, you know, and he's like, I need to start doing that more, you know, because it's a lot of people are always just trying to figure out where I'm fishing, and like when you're both tournament fishing out there, like you said, enjoy, just trying to enjoy the moment for yourself, and then also sharing your experience with people, it's really hard to find a balance to where you can still successfully fish tournaments without people figuring out where you are and exactly what you're doing and all that, and... Yeah enjoy it while you're so concerned with getting these shot for you know your viewers or whatever you know you want to refer to it as so yeah, yeah it's a tricky tricky deal that's for sure well, i think you know as a kayak angler mm-hmm. even if even on the boat too is a way around that like we kind of mentioned unless you're doing like a scott martin talking to the camera and fishing all day long kind of thing it's super simple it's just you know getting a big like a 256 gig sd card a hero session which isn't even too expensive mm-hmm. and then a portable battery charger to help that thing run from you know from sun up sun down and you just either put it behind you in the kayak or you, you know you strap it to the hood facing your front deck in the boat or maybe you have the poles up by the by your motor or, or whatever uh, mm-hmm. and you just run it all day that way you see everything and obviously you know if you want some shots that are you know different angles you'd have to you know, use your phone or whatever but um it, as far as like fish catching though goes though like that's the easiest way to do it to to not interfere with your personal experience you know right so that's that's it's just kind of cool too because it creates that diary for you you can kind of look back on it and be like all right it was in this situation like i was throwing this you can kind of like keep a you know if you can't have a a mental you know i guess collection of what you did you can mm-hmm. look back on your videos and be like okay this worked i maybe i should try implementing that or you kind of can take info from it, which is kind of cool. And that's one of the things I've seen out of the videos that I have done. And, like, I have a lot of content I just haven't posted, you know. Like, I like if I were to sit down and edit some videos, I actually have quite a bit, you know. But uh, every time I rewatch them, I'm like, man, I'm doing so much wrong. You know, like, I learn a lot from watching myself. Where I'm like, man, like, that's that's not the right way to do that, you know. Or it's like, and even one of the videos I do have posted on YouTube, I lose a giant, you know, like, right at the kayak. And... And, like, I learned, like, man, you got to make sure your boat positioning is right before you make a cast. You can't just be casting because if you get caught out of place, like, you're already behind, you know? Yeah. And, like, now, like, every time, like, I, I even, like, start to make a cast where I'm out of position a little bit. I'm like, nope, you remember that one time, you know? Like, no, 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 I'm not doing that again, you know? So there's a lot to learn just from watching yourself. That's, that's for sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 100%. I feel yeah. like we could talk about this for hours hours on end yeah you do man fishing dude we'll have to we'll have to get you on again down the road and have like different topic discussions for a podcast and go over uh, certain things um but i kind of want to move into my the last segment i have some fun questions like to ask two questions before we wrap up we're almost coming up on an hour here um, but before we do that, kind of wanted to allot you some time to give any shout outs, any pro staff, social media links, people should go follow anything of that sort before, uh, we get into those last questions. Yeah. Thanks man. Uh, yeah. So I just got on the Jackson kayak, like national pro staff team. So that's real cool. And it gives them a shout out. 
good opportunity for me, and I'm super excited for this upcoming year with them. Um, what rig uh, do you run? Uh, I picked up a Bite FD. Cool. So my my concept with kayaks is like I have a boat. I've got the you know I got all the fixings on a boat, and like when I go kayak fishing, I want to be in a kayak. You know? Yeah. So eleven and a half foot boat. It's plenty stable. It's got enough room for all my gear and stuff. So I think it's going to work out just right. Um, so I'm excited to get that rigged up and ready to go for the year. Um, another one, Guru Fishing Rods. Um, uh, it's not really a sponsor or anything. I, I am Guru Fishing Rods. I build uh, all my own rods, and then I, it's kind of a business for me. Um, awesome. I did it. I did it full time for a while, but now I'm down to kind of doing it in spare time, um, and I'm going to be kind of changing the format on that to like having like a waiting list but i'm up in the the quality of everything so it's going to be like the nicest fishing rods anybody can buy do a lot of kayak specific stuff for people uh just made a rod for, for somebody that uh kind of has a little bit of a disability with their hand you know so i was able to That's make something imperfect you know um so yeah and then besides that dark horse division my crew i roll with greg blanchard mike ensign juan obi lawrence alden uh, you guys rock and then uh sierra nevada beer tastiest beer yeah keep us uh keep us fishing and keep us dehydrated so, <laughs> so that's all good to go um yep. and, and yeah that's, that's pretty much it man that's all it's all the support i really got that's awesome yeah it's always fun to watch uh you guys' group go out with each other um but you know what for people listening watching what have you you know where can they find you on social media to keep up with uh your adventures for sure yeah so uh instagram uh, Bam is the man is my personal page, and then Guru Fishing Rods. Um, I kind of haven't been updated as much as I should, just have been working a lot. But keep, keep follow me on that, and then uh, Guru Fishing on YouTube, and then on Facebook, just Bam Miller. Hit me up. Uh, yeah, just love, just love to talk fishing. Obviously, I could, we could ramble on for days. So yeah, yeah, and we'll link uh, we'll link everything down in the description, whether on YouTube or any podcast app, so you guys can go down and uh, follow this guy. If you're not, you're missing out because yeah, there's some giants on his page, and uh, you can learn a thing or two from this guy too. So um, I'll definitely be sure to go follow that your your rod page, check them out. Um, I actually just got a job working for Douglas Rods here in New York, nice. uh, local rod company that makes some high end rods. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to do that. They're they're actually their rod developer uh, is from California. He's in Cali right now. Yeah, I just I just talked to them at the ISE show, and I fished with a guy's name's uh, Randall Doyle at Sh- uh, Shasta Wild West Bass Tournament. I, I was I did it as an amateur. He was my pro on the first day last year, and he's okay. the, the Douglas Rod guy, and I awesome. held them. They're nice rods. Yeah. Yeah, you ever try them out? Uh, I mean, I picked them up and kind of felt them, you know, and they're they're <laughs> nice. They're they're really good, you know. And and then I was talking to the guy at the ISE show a little bit about like the blank production and some of the technology that's going yeah. into them. It's uh, something different than what everybody else has on the market for sure. Yeah, yeah. I won't plug much just yet. I mean, I'm gonna wait till you know I'm at my first day at work. Tomorrow's literally my first day of work there. So that's cool, man. Good luck. That's that's cool. Yeah, that's exciting. Appreciate it. Yeah. So I'll start. What are you doing I'll, for? I'll start him? plugging them here and there. What's that? What are you doing for them? So I'm I'm going in as we're we're kind of talking different things about a a sales and event coordinator where um, I'm gonna head their competitive kayak market that they're trying to get into. Um, so pretty much just gonna try to travel different tournaments, different kayak dealers. Um, you know, looking for those dealers that sell like the natives, the hobies. You know that those kayaks that are you know fifteen hundred, eighteen hundred plus. Mm-hmm. Not uh, you know people that are 
going to be willing to spend three hundred dollars on a rod, you know, more than just one rod. Kind of getting at a brand affiliation with that top of the line product, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Doing that that's, and take that's something I've battled with, you know, with because you know yeah. custom rod, you know, a little more expensive, but yeah. they're you know for the people listening. There is a difference between, you know, $250, $300 rod and a $100 rod, you know. And you might not have to have your whole lineup, you know, be $300 rods, but, you know, like for your finesse rods, your jig rods, you know, yeah, your yeah. favorite technique, there's a huge benefit. And you you won't know it until you go out and fish with one. And you're like, holy smokes, I've been getting bites. I didn't even know I was getting, you know. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I'm sure they won't mind because I'm, I'm going to have to, when I get the budget for it, to – putting an order for you uh, i would love to get one of one of your uh, custom rods i never had a custom rod built before so that'd be pretty sweet cool. um so I'll, they can make an exception i can have one that's not douglas yeah uh, or even if you can get a hold of an unwrapped blank you know i can wrap on one of their blanks too so that would be pretty cool too yeah cool. but uh cool. yeah heck yeah dude i'm pretty excited to do different things with them and uh keep up with you and um uh, definitely need to have you build a rod for me some somewhere down the road when uh when my young poor butt can afford it so <laughs> I feel it man it's a struggle out here <laughs> yeah. yeah we're grinding though yeah. but uh yeah dude we're gonna transition uh into these last two questions for the podcast um but uh, everybody before you do make sure you guys go follow him and uh show some support uh if you got the budget for it and you like some high-end rods check out if you want them custom made um but we're going to get into the, these questions, and the first one uh, is if you could uh, sit down with to, and have dinner, invite any three people in the in the on the planet, past or present, you know, pick their brain. Who would you invite? Uh, fishing or non-fishing affiliate? It doesn't, to, it doesn't have to be fishing. Doesn't have to be fishing. Hmm. All right. That's kind of a rough one, dude. I've never really thought of that. Oh yeah. Um, Stumper. Yeah, that's 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 pretty brutal. Um, I would say <laughs> I've been sworn uh, at, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say Mel Brooks, the director oh. of like Spaceballs and Blazing Saddles. Uh, <laughs> dude just seems like a hilarious person. He'd be super fun to be around. Yeah. Uh, um, I'd love to sit down and talk with uh, Wesley Schrader. Okay. Uh, I I just like the way that he fishes. His fishing style is real cool. You know. Um, and probably the last one, you know, I, I don't know. It's tough to say. I probably couldn't, couldn't select like a single person out of it, but I would really like to talk to like a, a World War II veteran that was like okay. in the mix of things. You know what I mean? I can't, yeah. I couldn't think of a single one, but it would be really interesting to hear, especially if they were like, you know, 18 to like 25, like kind of our age group, you know, like going to war, yeah. you know, and it's, you know, like I feel like war changed since then and everything. And it's just like, I don't know, that, that generation, they had a lot more cojones than we did. I feel like, you know, it would just yeah. be interesting to hear that. Yeah. 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 They, that is, that's that's an understatement. Yeah. yeah. We're <laughs> sitting over worried about what swim baits we're going to be throwing when they were trying to just stay alive, you know, <laughs> and get exactly. home with their family. So, yeah, yeah. We're worried about our Instagram followers and they, uh, they actually have something real going on to deal with. Right. Uh, yeah. No, that's a good one. I like that. That'd be, I'd be interested in hearing, you know, different, you know, obviously you don't want to like push the, the envelope, but, you know, hearing different war stories and different things that happen that you don't, you can't read in a, a classroom textbook or something like that. 
Right, and it's just like in like you know, and I not not speaking for everybody, just for myself, I have like no capacity of even understanding what it would be like to go through that, you know. So it's like that would that'd be really interesting. I feel like. Yeah, definitely. I like that. That's a good one. I'm. I might have to. You know what? I have to write that down because now I want to research that. <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing that's kind of cool with this too. Is like I take notes throughout different podcasts, and like it kind of gets me on different tangents, and I look things up, and it's kind of cool. Because you learn from people you talk to, but also learn from the ideas that they put in your brain from different things you hear. Right. It's, it's pretty sweet in that sense. But uh, yeah. um, So my last question before we wrap it up here. It's plain and simple. Pretty much first thing that comes to mind, uh, your favorite fishing memory. Favorite fishing memory. My favorite fishing memory uh, would be non-bass fishing related. Even though I've had some excellent, excellent days on the water bass fishing, it would be with my dad. Uh probably like the first like real trip we did on our kayaks we went to this place called spicer reservoir and it's like a no motor zone like halfway back it's like a seven mile long lake you know so we went all the way to the back and it's like when the snow melts you know like going into spring i think it was like the beginning of june actually you know because it's a real high elevation and uh the creeks run in and the trout come in to spawn and like you could have walked across the trout, you know, and it was just my dad and I, the only two people back there, you know, and like we saw like, you know, deer, bald eagles and all this stuff, you know, and it's just us. And it was just every single cast catching fish. And it was just like, you know, just the coolest freaking memory. And like I haven't been up there since, you know, with them. And uh, yeah, so that's probably my favorite fishing memory for sure. That's pretty awesome, dude. Yeah. I, so I like to hear these stories. That's why I asked that too, is I like to hear the different stories of kind of, you know, what people think about in their head. Like, I always think about different memories I have from fishing, but I, I'm always curious to hear other people. So that's that's pretty sweet. And I love when people talk about how, like, families, that they're that top memories when it's spending it with somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear all different ones that are like, yeah, I caught my PB doing this. Like, those are cool. Don't get me wrong. But it, there's something cool, like, sentimental-wise about saying, like, oh, like, you know, I watched my daughter catch her first fish or something like that. That's, you know, stuff like that. That's pretty awesome. Right. Yeah. I think that's like part of what drives people to be sharing so much of fishing on social media and stuff too is like especially if you're by yourself is like it's meant to be shared with people, you know, like especially just yeah. like your experiences outside and everything that's that's meant to be shared, you know. So like that's yeah. that's an experience that I share with my dad and only him and I truly understand how epic that was, you know, and and uh, yeah, you know, I'll always remember that for sure. That's awesome, dude. Well, Brandon, I just want to say I appreciate you taking time. You know, we've been talking over an hour now, um, you know, about fishing and, and whatnot. But I appreciate you coming on and talking with me and not only me, but to everybody watching and listening. So I appreciate you taking the time. And it's definitely been a pleasure. And I'm excited to get you back down, back on here down the road and talk about different things, California or swim baiting or whatever, whatever it might be. We can just talk about anything and have no general outline. But um, definitely plan on having you back here. Just uh Appreciate the opportunity, dude. Yeah, no, thank you. Man. Super fun. Yeah, of course. And we'll, we'll be in touch. We'll talk about different things offline. And, again, everybody watching, listening, go follow them. Go uh, go check out the rods. And uh, just thank you for coming on. And have a good night, man. All right. You too, man. I appreciate it. I'll see you soon. See you soon. Hey, guys. I just want to say thank you for listening to my podcast in its entirety. With that being said, if you'd like to support the Serious Angler podcast, please head to my page and click support. Any amount really helps me be able to create content for you guys and also helps me, you know, pay the bills 
which gives me more time to make podcasts for you guys. Thank you guys again for listening to the Serious Angler podcast, and we'll see you guys next time.